Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I am Travis Hines, he is Randy Peterson, and we are here to talk all things Iowa State Athletics, which what turned out to be a little bit of a newsy Monday in a uh, busy week um, as the Iowa State men's basketball team tries to play its way into Omaha and potentially a Big 12 regular season title, the first in 23 years. But we're going to start with football, where uh, ESPN originally reported and we confirmed that Matt Campbell and Iowa State is promoting tight ends coach and assistant head coach Taylor Mauser to offensive coordinator, replacing the now-departed Nate Shieldhouse of the Los Angeles Rams. Randy, I, I don't know that I would say I'm surprised by this, but I did think when we were talking about it after Shieldhouse left that we thought this might be an outside hire because the guy that looked like the most obvious as an in-house guy, as Taylor Mauser, is a little greener than the resume for offensive coordinators typically is but a guy that has been with Matt Campbell going on a decade now. So it makes a, a lot of sense from that perspective and certainly a guy that his former players uh, rave about in Taylor Mauser. Um, so I, I think it does make sense. It's just, it's a younger guy with a narrower uh, breadth of experience than we saw even in a young guy in Nate Shieldhouse who got the job a year ago, you know, after coaching at a couple different places and coaching a number of different positions at Iowa State. A um, couple things to that, to that Travis. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. It was, it wasn't exactly um, a conventional, a conventional hire. Um, a couple things with that. As you, as you, as you said, Mouse has been, Mouser has been um, with Campbell forever. So if anybody knows, knows, knows Campbell, it's, it's, it's Mouser. Um, and so that uh, to go along with that, I think it's, it's to me, at least to me, at least it's, it's evident that, that Campbell will have as much of a finger on the pulse of the offense as he's always had. Um, and we've always, you know, we've always suspected, known, whatever, that um, that Campbell's got a plays a big role in 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 play calling, at least some of the plays. Um, obviously, the buck stops with the head coach, and I think we've we've seen that a few times. I think that I don't know whether that was going to change totally with Shieldhouse, um, and I don't know how much it did last year, but I suspect that Shieldhouse had more free reign last year than for example what Tom Manning had uh, towards the end of of his um, Iowa State career as as coordinator but but with with hiring mouse that that shows me that that Campbell yeah he's he's still got his finger on the pulse of the offense um secondly I I talked to uh I verbal Shieldhouse and I talked maybe a couple of times last week on the phone verbally and um I remember something he said when I asked him just about, you know, get, trying to get background who, who who Matt might hire as an offensive coordinator. And I don't know whether whether Shieldhouse knew at that at that point in time even. 
But I asked, he, he was going through some names. He mentioned Clanton um, being on staff. And he mentioned he could go outside of staff. And then he said, and, and he said, and, and by the way, don't forget about, about Mouse, Mauser. Um, he said, Mauser's, Mauser knows that, that system inside and out. Um, and it's, it, and he's, he's a good coach. So that got me thinking with, with Shieldhouse saying, saying Mauser. Yeah. Okay. I, I kind of halfway expected him to say that, but, um, and then when he, and then when he said he knows that offense inside and out and he knows exactly what, what um, he's been around the team. He knows what every, every player can do. It's not like he's at a learning process. He knows what every player can do. He knows what the, he knows all the recruits coming in. Um, so I, so I started just thinking to myself, yeah, maybe, I don't know, but um, maybe sometime down the road, but this morning, like you said, it was kind of a busy morning for news wise. So yeah, it was when we saw mouse Bowser um, um, was going to be the, the offensive coordinator immediately set back, thought back to what Shio house told me. So good move, bad move. I don't have any idea. I, I have, I have no idea. Um, certainly out of the box. Um, and I, I know that, that Kohler and um, um, Chase Allen, um, you know, have talked glowingly about him, talked glowingly about him, both to you and to me, um, during their off and on during their careers at Iowa State as as you know, maybe two of the best tight two the best two two tight ends Iowa State's had before last season. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to. The jury's out on this one. We'll have to see how how this how this goes about, but they certainly got an offensive coordinator heading into spring ball, which I thought they might go without one for spring ball. So, um, looks like everything is all taken care of from the coaching standpoint. Yeah, I think you know, there's a number of different ways to look at this, and I think it's worth reiterating what you said about Kohler and Allen there because both of them would go out of their way, and it was both their final year because Mauser was not promoted to tight ends coach until. 2021 would go out of their way about um, you know praising him and talking about the relationship that they had and you know I talked to Charlie right before the Super Bowl uh, for a story about Brock Purdy and he was like yeah I'm gonna go because Mouse called me and he's going so we're gonna go together so I mean like that's those are serious relationships that are you know enduring years after these guys leave campus and I think that speaks you know very well to him as a relationship guy, which is huge in that offensive coordinator position as a recruiter and a developer of talent. You know, Ben Bramer was great last year. Deshaun Hanika, I think, kind of gets forgot about the year before in 2023, or excuse me, in 2022. Um, really good, kind of out of nowhere at playing behind those two other guys. So, like, Mauser has a pretty lengthy track record of developing guys. I think the question will be, and it's one that he can answer and will be interesting to see how they do is you go from a pretty, what we conceive of as a pretty narrow view of the offense with having only coached tight ends to now you're in charge of everything. It's global to steal a Matt Campbell term of how do you manage that of where now you have to touch every position group and every decision. And, you know, and it sounds like there will be some, power sharing is probably the wrong word, but, you know, Clanton and Paulie are are experienced guys in what they do. And they'll be certainly part of, you know, the game planning and the practice planning and the, the stratagem that goes into being an offensive coordinator. But that's a big step up from even in the, an Iowa state offense where the tight ends are featured to go from tight ends to offensive coordinator. Because as we were mentioning earlier, you know, Shieldhouse 
had coached wide receivers. He'd coached running backs. I think he had been the running game coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe passing game, I can't remember, under Manning uh, before getting the bump. So he had been kind of all over that offense in a way, you know, at least from a resume standpoint, you know, on the outside looking in for us that Mauser hasn't. So it'll be interesting to see what Matt Campbell has to say about that, what Taylor has to say about that, because I think that will be the the learning curve of a huge job and a, a huge responsibility as Iowa State looks to build on what they were able to do last year, what Shieldhouse was able to do as a rookie play caller. You know, and again, two years in a row now, it'll be rookie play callers, guys who have never called a play in their life, assuming Mauser is calling plays, which will be a question that we'll ask Matt when we talk to him uh, in a week or two, I would imagine. So that's interesting, but I think to your point that you made it earlier, Randy, about that, he knows the system inside and out. I think that, again, this speaks to, and we saw this with the hire of Shieldhouse last year is that Campbell has the offense that he wants to run and is going to continue to run it. Like this is not going to look dramatically different uh, with Taylor Mauser in charge than it did with Nate Shieldhouse in charge than it did with Tom Manning in charge. So I, I was just while you were talking, I was I was looking up uh, um, um, Golish, Alex Golish, um, who was a longtime Campbell assistant uh, before he tight went to, uh, huh? And tight ends coach. Exactly, tight ends coach. Yes, he was tight ends coach, and then in 2020, Golish went um, to Central Florida as. Offensive coordinator slash tight ends coach. In 2021, he went to Tennessee, which I didn't even know he went to Tennessee. But anyway, he went to Tennessee and he was offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. In 2023, he's a head coach at South Florida. So I guess we've seen we've seen this career path um, before. And we've seen it work and we've seen it work with Campbell guys. I would say Golish, while he didn't start out as being a Campbell guy, he ended up being a Campbell guy, and and certainly uh, Mouser is a is a Campbell guy. So it's not like this 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 um, um, this is uncharted territory for tight ends for tight ends um, um, coaches. I also like what you said about about Ben Bramer. That's who I was kind of alluding to um, when I uh, earlier. Um, yeah, and that. And I've got to, I've got to think that that Bramer and and uh, um, and Mouse had a had a had a great relationship, like you talked about the relationship between Mouse and um, Charlie Kohler. So, and that's huge because because in this age, you never know when players could just get up and leave. And Bramer's got the talent, the ability. He's good enough that he certainly, at some point, could. Uh, um, could end up in the NFL at some point, so um, that's good that that relationship is uh, is there is there with Mauser. So it'll be curious to see what what if any changes happen. We won't be able to tell much during the spring game, if anything. Uh, but uh, uh, maybe we'll get a chance at some point um, once spring ball gets going to to sit down and talk to Mouse. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. He's a guy that always is interesting to talk to and has interesting thoughts on offense. Yeah. Does – to go back to what we had talked a little bit about, I mean, does this – the offense is going to be the offense, right? Like, are, how much did Nate Shieldhouse put his fingerprints on last year 
how much of that stays and how much of it either goes away or changes with a new offensive coordinator. Cause I do feel like the strength of Iowa state last year offensively to a large degree was their ability to adapt after that Ohio debacle. And I think you give Nate a lot of credit for that. You give Matt a lot of credit for that. Does that stick around? Does that ability to be versatile and adapt stay or does that leave with Shieldhouse? And then, you know, Iowa State and Campbell are pretty opaque when it comes to the behind-the-scenes machinations of how the product gets onto the field on Saturdays. Um, so I'm not going to pretend to have a great you know, understanding of, of how that all came to be. But I do wonder you know, what formula did they land on last year that worked and how replicable is it with a new OC. And you know, even if a lot of last year's team is back, it, it's still always a new team and a new year. And how much of that is is repeatable again in 2024? And the fact that it did work after the Ohio game shows me that that Matt Campbell is not as um, um, how do I want to say it as not as as stuck in his ways as as some people, including me, thought he was thought he might be. Um, he was willing to after the Ohio game to open it up a little bit more. I mean, it's not like they're ever going to go air raid. And how much of that was Shieldhouse? I don't know. How much was that was Rocco speaking up? Because I, I'm pretty much convinced that Rocco, towards the as the season went on last year, he he had quite a bit of say in what was going on, um, or at least suggestion-wise. But be that as it may, Campbell now is, we've seen that Campbell is um, um, is willing to to give other things give other things a try. Um, Travis, along with this, though, is, is curiously, Jake Waters last week went from went from um, an, uh, uh, an offensive specialist to running back, running backs coach. And now he's gone from running backs coach to quarterback coach. So he said three jobs in a week and a half. Um, that's going to be interesting. And I but I like. I like the fact with with Jake at 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 quarterbacks coach because he's been working with those guys. He and Kyle have been working with those with uh, those guys, and that's a, that's while quarter while you know we can talk about the running backs all we want because the Sama the job Sama did. Rocco Beck was was a freshman All American quarterback, and um, that was he, he's going to. And he's back, obviously, and having a veteran, having somebody that he knows that he's working with, and Jake Waters, I think that's that's nothing but a, a huge plus throughout this this um, change. Also, yeah, I mean, I also wonder, like, this is a huge spring for JJ Cole. Like, let's not forget, like, yeah, he was great point. the highest rated quarterback recruit, I believe, in, in program history. And while obviously no one, I'm not saying there's a quarterback competition in spring beyond whatever competition there is for every position across the board. You could envision a scenario if you chart Rocco Beck's growth trajectory from dude who was a third stringer, essentially as a true freshman to a freshman, you know, or to offensive of the year in the big 12 or whatever they name it. You put that on a guy who was six, seven and a four-star recruit you know, that gets a little interesting in spring. And this is a big spring for J.J. Cole, who, you know, just by the nature of college football right now, you know, the quarterbacks, especially of that caliber and pedigree, don't stick around if they're not playing. 
especially with a guy who I believe Rocco will still have three years of still has four years of eligibility, right? Cause he was able to redshirt as a true freshman. So three years of eligibility remaining. So there's a, that's an interesting wrinkle, which again, nobody's trying to unseat the, the big 12 freshman offensive player of the year, but it is something to keep in the back of your mind of how does this, you know, unfold throughout spring as Iowa state reshuffles its coaching staff on the offensive end that I'm certainly going to be curious about that. I'm going to be watching. And I think, you know, Campbell will be asked about Mauser will be asked about Jake waters will be asked about that. It's something to, something to think about because like that's a big time player. And then you got another guy in Connor Moberly coming in, you know, from Southeast Polk that they think highly of. So there's just a, there's a lot of interesting second, third and fourth tier storylines and pieces moving here uh, to consider, you know, as we head into spring, which I believe is only a couple weeks away before they get going. It's Monday after the, the week after selection Sunday. Yeah. Whatever the Thursday is after, um, after uh, what's the word spring break. That's when, that's when spring ball starts. And then we've got the, the um, spring game on the, on the 20th. So I agree with everything you said about, about JJ Cole. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, anymore, anymore. And with, with the portal, the way it is, you know, it's free, it's free agency. I mean, it's, uh, um, there's money out there. I'm not saying JJ, I'm just talking generalities now. Kids don't want to stick around and not, and not play. Um, especially said with four star guy. And if you believe if people, for people who believe in the star system, but, uh, um, yeah, and and Rock and Rocco, he's certainly. I don't envision him doing anything to, to um, talent wise, losing the job. But as we all know, there's there's always an injury factor as well. And uh, um, you know, knock on wood, that hasn't happened with him. But but it 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 certainly it certainly could. But uh, it's it's a it's a situation where offensively. Mauser's in a Mauser's in a good shape. Is in a good situation. Um, just don't just don't mess it up um, because you, he's got a good thing going. He, he's he's uh, he's helped. He's been part of a good thing. Um, now, Mouse, just don't mess it up um, because these these guys that you're coaching and overseeing and the coaches that you're overseeing, uh, he know, and he knows this better than anybody. They're pretty darn good, and they're probably among the best. That the that the Big Twelve has right now, as far as offensive players, um, obviously defensive players too. So this program is trending positive, and and you know, Mouse is on the is on the um, is another piece of 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 this puzzle that uh, you know that's going to help Iowa State continue to trend positively. What a parting shot from you, Randy, to to end the segment here. Don't mess it up. We'll try not to mess up the next segment here. <laughs> When we return on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. If you missed any of our opening segment about Iowa State promoting tight ends coach and assistant head coach Taylor Mauser to offensive coordinator, be sure to race to wherever it is you listen to your podcast and fire up the Cyclone Insider Hour. I'm going to switch gears now, though, to the 
top 10 Iowa State men's basketball team who uh, had a little trouble with West Virginia over the weekend, but not enough to endanger the undefeated home record at Hilton Coliseum this year, nor to endanger their pursuit of a Big 12 title and a spot in Omaha in the NCAA tournament. All of those things remain very much in play. Randy, a little bit of a – it'll be interesting to see what kind of week this is for Iowa State with a home game Wednesday against Oklahoma and a trip to Orlando and Central Florida on Saturday. Iowa State will be considerable, not heavy, but notable favorites in both of those games. Does this feel like a trap week at all to you for them, or you know, I'm kind of of the mind that they've just been handling their business day in and day out now, going on you know three months. That it doesn't feel like this team is particularly susceptible to traps, which isn't to say they can't lose a game, but I don't feel like a, a focus is wavering for this group right now. Yeah, I don't think this is. I don't think this is that falls into the trap mode, at least not in my mind. Um. Maybe if if no, I, I I don't even there's I don't I can't make even a case even make a case for that Iowa State let's just face it they were they were not good against um against West Virginia and it's probably as as bad a game bad is that the right word the conference game is as they played in a long time I mean this season so. I think they were probably due for something like that. And it shows the kind of it shows what what kind of basketball team this is, is that they can they can beat a team, albeit not a great team, but they can beat a team without being at your best. And so I think they'll use that, that motivation plus the motivation generated in the first game of the first Big 12 conference game of the year, and you were there at Oklahoma, how bad they played the last four minutes and ten. Seconds of that game, I think. I think that motivation will be what well, we know it is. The players talked about it about it this morning at, at at their Monday press conference. So I think I think all that, and plus the, the the home winning streak. I think I think Iowa State's got some whatever juice they didn't have on on Saturday. I think they, I think that juice is back. I mean, that's just the impression I got at least from from TJ and from from Taman and from from Trey King um, this morning. But that, and you were there. Maybe you can talk about it for a second. That 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 seventy-one sixty-three loss at Oklahoma, where Iowa State led with four minutes to go, and then melted down at the end. Maybe that's not the right word, but but uh, they they played very horribly at the at the very end. So um, I think Iowa State probably motivated to to do something different about that. Yeah, I mean, I think again, like you look at what's laid out in front of them. It feels like their, their ability to remain focused has been a huge part of their success. And it'll be a huge determinant of how the next couple of weeks goes. And, you know, the schedule is, I don't know that it's forgiving, but it's certainly on paper easier than it was, you know, to them to get out to the start, you know, Houston is going to have to help them out if they're going to win or share a piece of the big 12 title. Whereas, you know, the path to Omaha, I think they, they can pretty well, dictate their own terms there especially with how they play in Kansas City after the regular season so there's there's a lot to do here and I think you know the interesting thing that we heard today is that they're pretty resolute and that they haven't played their best basketball yet and I, I tend to agree I mean you look at you know Milan Mamchilovic has not played his best basketball the last couple of weeks I think Taman Lipsy has been good but not as good as he was 
earlier in the season, I think really since that shoulder injury, where if you can get him rounding into form, you know, Keyshawn Gilbert's been good. Curtis Jones has been good. You know, I mean, everybody, like, there's just, there's a lot of things where their success has been so broadly spread out and not dependent on one or two players that you've seen kind of a, almost like a race going here where some guys will take the lead while the other guys drop back. And it's kind of been shifting throughout the season where if you can kind of, you know, hit the Nas to uh, use a fast and furious reference here to get everybody going at the same speed in the same direction at the same time. And I think there is a level or two that Iowa state can reach that they haven't yet reached. And I think that's encouraging at this time of year. Now you want to start hitting that stride probably next week or the week after. Um, and then it becomes sustaining it and, you know, hoping to not have a poor shooting game or an injury, you know, when you're in a, a winner go home type situation. But I do think things are setting up pretty well for Iowa state here as we enter the, the last week of February. I mean, it's going to be March by the end of this week. So it's it's uh, getting to be go time here. And Iowa State finds itself in a pretty damn good position. That's all we've got today for the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register and 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. He's Randy Peterson. I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.